0: Well, good afternoon. Um, Sun has been shining a little bit today. we got some more coming soon, which is going to be real nice. Uh, It's hard to be cooped up and uh, always have the weather gray and gloomy. So looking forward to some sunshine, looking forward to getting out to where we're permitted to get out. And um, So yeah, so welcome to our Thursday night study. Um, I'm joined here tonight with um, my family and of course Roger. And it's good. It's good to be here. It's good to be able to continue to serve in some capacity. And um, yeah, so I did want to say that um, Rick Schnabel is out of the hospital. He's feeling better. Thank you for your prayers. And so uh, he's still got some symptoms, but his breathing is much better. He's feeling better. And so uh, we'll uh, keep praying for him and look forward to, to seeing him. So yeah. And then don't forget this Sunday, Uh, We'll be celebrating communion together, so be sure to get yourself some grape juice and uh, some unleavened bread or crackers. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I need to put out at this point. Roger, did you have anything else? Okay. All right, well, let's get into our text. We're currently uh, substituting our Thursday night Bible survey with a devotional through Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21. Uh, And we're doing one verse a week and uh, many of us are memorizing the whole section and more people continue to text me each week saying that they're going to join us. So um, yeah, so I want to encourage you to uh, take the challenge and do that. Uh, Trust me, you can do this for sure. Uh, My family is pretty much done memorizing it. Uh, The whole thing at this point. I have the whole thing memorized, but I have it memorized a little bit out of order for some reason. So I've got to fix that before the end of our time. Uh, But anyway, encourage you to memorize it. It's a a wonderful text, a lot to learn from it, a lot to apply from it as well. So let's go ahead and uh, we'll read our text. I'm going to read the whole text to you again. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's go ahead and pray. Well, Lord Jesus, we love you. And uh, Lord, we're, we're thankful for your grace, your goodness to us, Lord, your bounty Toward us. And uh, Lord, I thank you for uh, the various platforms that we have to continue to, to teach and to do ministry, to stay connected with your church. And I pray that as we continue down this, uh, this time of lockdown and stuff, that we will continue to be creative and how to uh, be a blessing to one another, to provide for one another, to encourage each other. And so give us grace to do that. And Lord, I pray that as we continue on through this text, that uh, we wouldn't just understand your word, but we would be able to apply it to our lives. So be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and look back to verse 11, where Paul says, Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Such a great passage, it has a variety of applications. And uh, so let's first, let's examine the words and we'll kind of see the contrast within the passage, something that Paul enjoyed doing. And then we'll get in some of the application based upon what Paul meant from the text. Um, First, the word slothful, of course, means to be slow, to be slack. Uh, Some people say that it means to be tardy. Um, um, But my text says uh, slothful. I actually got to hang out uh, and photograph a sloth when I was in training in the the Panama jungle about 25 years ago. Uh, But anyway, uh, then the word zeal is often translated as haste, to hurry. So Paul is literally saying, don't be slow, but be fast. Don't be a sloth, be a cheetah. But the language is actually couched in the same breath as uh, serving the Lord, so it's not a matter of... Uh, of how slow or how fast—it's not a, uh, an issue of speed. If that—if that was, uh, where would that leave our uh, disabled or elderly brothers and sisters? Would they be disqualified to serve the Lord uh, because they can't move quickly? Uh, that's ridiculous. Paul has uh, Christian character uh, and Christian duty in mind, not speed. Paul is telling us not to be lazy but to be diligent in regard to our Christian duty and our service to the Lord. Uh, Laziness, as we know, is not a Christian virtue. Uh, Christian couch potatoes will not be rewarded or praised. Uh, The service of the Lord is not for slackers. Uh, Diligence really should be the quality of our service. Uh, For example, Paul told the Colossians, he said, Whatever you do, uh, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. The word heartily literally means out of the soul. Uh, we translate it heartily, which gives the idea of, of that which comes out of the heart. And So when we serve the Lord, we should be putting our heart and soul into the work. So Christian duty and service to the Lord should not be really, I don't think, a comparison between a sloth and a cheetah, but more like a lazy dog that lays around in the sun versus the ant who is committed to his task without uh, distraction. So do not be lazy, but commit yourself with diligence to the work of the Lord, whatever that may be. Uh, We'll come back to all of this at the end when we look at application. Paul continues in verse 11 saying, be fervent in spirit. The word fervent means to, to boil or to be hot or to boil because of heat. But how does Paul want us to boil? Uh, the word is generic in the sense that it's not a positive or a negative term. The context of words like this have to be, or the definition of, of words like this have to be uh, defined in the context. Uh, it could be used to, to, to boil with hatred or joy. Uh, So you could actually boil with just about any emotion. And I think that we're tempted in Western culture to apply a negative connotation to the word because we associate boiling and heat with anger or rage, but that's really not the case here. Uh, and, And even because of our negative assumption, one commentator says that it might be better translated as bubble over. So then the passage would read something like this, be bubbling over in the spirit. But maybe bubbling doesn't resonate with you, as it doesn't for me. It it might be appropriate to say, on fire. Uh, Even though the original language can't be translated that way, the idea is probably the same. Uh, There's one other example of this Greek word, uh, the only other example of the word being used in the New Testament, and it's used to describe the way that a man preached. Here's the text. It says, now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord. With vigor, he refuted the Jews publicly in Achaia, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. That's Acts 18, 24 and 25, and then verse 28. Now, when I imagine the scene as Apollos Fervently preached the gospel. I see a man who was on fire for the cause of Christ, and for him, the fire was coming out in his his preaching and his in his eloquence. So I confess that while the text cannot be translated as be on fire, I think the thought is similar. Paul, uh, as we look at Paul's own life and the way that he did ministry, he was a man that, that was on fire for the Lord, and we ought to be the same in our service. Now, of course, depending on your personality, being on fire will look different from person to person. Uh, You know, like Kirk Parnham, for example, is just one expression of being on fire with eyes bulging, hands waving, mingled with intense expressions of the gospel. If you know Kirk, you know what I'm talking about. And then there's Gabe Anzolini, who is a lot more tame and a little more stoic with equally firm convictions, but expressed in quieter tones. If you know Gabe, you know what I'm talking about. But both are on fire, but the fire is customized by their personalities, all of which I endorse and appreciate, and all of them, I love to see them in action. I don't think there's one superior personality to another, and I love the way that God uses different personalities to reach different kinds of people in different ways, so that 's a good thing we don 't want to say that there 's a, a cookie cutter way of being on fire for the Lord because that 's just not true because there 's many godly men in scripture who their personalities were very different, and God used them to the same end and We would say that they were all on fire for the Lord, so it doesn 't look the same in everyone. Another way to, to think of fervency is we might say enthusiasm. And that's how I'll use it from here on out. Enthusiasm uh, in spirit or enthusiastic in spirit. Let's move on. What does it mean to be fervent in spirit? Now, at this point, I'm not totally sure. The original language has the definite article before the word spirit, uh, making the text appear this way in the Greek, be fervent in the spirit. Okay, so what's the difference? Uh, The rendering in our English translation can, but doesn't necessarily, but it can imply self-effort, that it's up to me to be self-motivated and enthusiastic, while the original language uh, may be pointing to the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, to whom we must be yielding if we are to be enthusiastic in our service to the Lord. Now, I haven't decided which interpretation of the passage is the inspired one, but in the Christian life, both are necessary for spiritual success. So, a rule I live by is this when I come to something in the scriptures where I don't know the interpretation, I turn to what I do know that has a similar context. So, for example, according to Acts 2 and 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and Galatians chapter 5, we must be filled and energized by the Holy Spirit to live the life that God has called us to. It would be impossible without Him. But as Romans 6 and 8 tell us, we have the same responsibility to yield our bodies and our minds to the Lord for His service. So even if you get the interpretation of this passage incorrect, either alternative is true. So we must be energized by the Holy Spirit and we must be obedient to Him. If you're going to be enthusiastic for for the Lord, you must obey the spirit of the Lord. We must cooperate with him. Jesus even said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you're not going to do the things I say? Luke chapter six, verse 46. The title Lord implies lordship, but where there is no obedience, there is no lordship. Jesus is only Lord to those who obey him. So we should be fervent in our commitment to yield to the Lord But ultimately, it's the Lord who has to do the work through us. Uh, I think the reality that is, is that God is not a puppeteer that pulls our strings to move us to action. But as we've been looking at it, Hebrews 12, we know that our God is a good father who knows how to uh, motivate each of his children. And and for those who are ultra stubborn, uh, God can always provide a Jonah experience by way of a large fish because while God is not a puppeteer, he won't be trifled with. He will be obeyed ultimately. Lastly, Paul says, "Serve the Lord." So what does it mean to serve the Lord? In this, in this verse, Paul has told us how we should serve the Lord, that is, diligently and enthusiastically, but he, he doesn't tell us what the service of the Lord is. He, he basically assumes that his audience knows what he's talking about, and assumptions can be fine as long as you know that your audience knows what you're talking about. Now, at, at that time in history, people, uh, because all of this was so fresh in the hearts and minds of people, they probably had a general idea of what it meant, but because of time, the passing of time and various traditions, I I wouldn't dare make that assumption. Too many people today think that serving the Lord is really what pastors and missionaries do, but if that is the case, why did Paul say this to all the members of the Roman church? Yeah, if you are a believer, you are a servant of the Lord and you should be in his service, even if you're not a pastor or a missionary. Paul told the Colossians that whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's Colossians 3.17. So whatever you do as a Christian should be done in service to the Lord. Uh, A.W. Tozer rightly talked about the sanctity of living, that whatever we do as Christians is sacred and should be rendered to the Lord as service to him, as long as that thing is in keeping with his character. So if you are a plumber, if you're a doctor, if you're a ditch digger or whatever, it is sanctified as service to the Lord and God considers your work holy. But this is also just as true for husbands, for a husband, a wife, father, mother, and child. Uh, These are all holy to the Lord and should be rendered to him as service. So for example, my ministry to the Lord is husband, father, pastor, friend, citizen, and probably in that order. And none of, in, in none of these things can I be lazy. But by the Spirit of God, I should be diligent and enthusiastic for the glory of God and for the sake of those who benefit from my service to God. So whatever you do, Paul says, do it heartily, do it diligently, enthusiastically, as unto the Lord and not to men. Now, Personally, I find this verse most convicting in the context of parenting. It's a great reminder that diligence is the one ingredient that is most needed, especially after being in my study all day and my brain is just completely exhausted. I have to remember that I simply go from one ministry to another and both require my diligence and my motivation, my enthusiasm. As Paul told the Galatians, he says, "'Do not grow weary in well-doing,' For in due season, we will reap if we do not lose heart. That's Galatians 6, 9. So when it comes to our children, we must be diligent to bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord if we are to have any hope of reaping godly fruit. And the diligence prescribed in the word is the daily discipleship of our children, teaching them the word and showing them how to walk in its precepts. The scriptures must be the centerpiece for our families and the guiding light of our faith and our habit of, light, uh, of life. Anything less is too little. So with that, I would encourage our fathers and mothers to capitalize on these really interesting times that we're in and make all of this uh, a time to, to bless our children, to redeem the time for their sake. And as to diligence and enthusiasm I would encourage you, I'd counsel you to set an agenda for reading, uh, studying, worshiping, and praying together so that when all of this is over, you already have that habit in place and, uh, and it'll just be something that you do. It will change your family and your parenting uh, will be consistent with serving the Lord. Uh, now for some, it may not be an issue of parenting but being diligent in regard to your relationship with your spouse, uh, things are not as they should be, or they could just be better. Uh, now, no, there's no better time than right now, uh, with great diligence and infectious enthusiasm, to be a blessing to your spouse according to the biblical instruction. Uh, the prescription for marriage in the scriptures is the perfect recipe for happiness so that you may be heirs together of the grace of life. So study your biblical role, and regardless of how your spouse may respond, even if negatively, remember, it's all into the Lord, as we've already discussed. So obey his word and wait on his blessing and praise. Well, Pastor Ben, what is my role? Well, I would say that's a fair question, especially in our culture so let's make it simple. Husband, you are the head. Wife, you are the helper. Genesis 2:18, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1 through 16, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 through 33, Titus 2:4, 1 Peter 3, one through 7. So husbands, uh, biblical headship is described as the authority protector, and provider for the family, all of, which, all of which is characterized by loving, cherishing, understanding, and honoring the wife. Husband, God created your wife to enjoy these things from you for your mutual blessing and for the glory of God. Wives, biblical helper is described as the one who is covered by the husband's authority, protection, and provision, all of which all of which is characterized by loving, submitting to, and respecting the husband. Now, wives, God created your husband to receive these things from you for your mutual blessing and for the glory of God. Paul would say, do not be lazy in regard to your marriage, but be diligent and enthusiastic in your role. That is how we serve the Lord in our marriages. And I would firmly say that there is no other way to be happy and honor God in the context of marriage. So give it your all. Well, perhaps you've got child rearing and 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 being a spouse all down and in their godly order, but what about at work? Now we've already quoted Colossians three twenty-three, which says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. But let me give you the, the, the verse in its context. Bond servants obey in all things, your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as man pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ, but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Colossians 3. 22 through 25 this is about slaves serving their masters and the directive from the lord here is actually just a longer version of what we've seen in romans 12 verse 11 the christian servant serves the lord when he serves his earthly master in this fashion his service is considered holy if he does it unto the lord and not to men now if god requires this kind of work ethic and attitude from a slave, what might he expect from us in a society like ours with, with our human rights and workers' rights? He, he will require at least what is required here, if not more. And if a slave could serve the Lord in that context with diligence and enthusiasm, how much more should we? Well, Pastor Ben, it's not fair for you to say that. You have the best boss in the world. Well, that's true, and there's no better boss than Jesus, but what he requires of me can at times be painful and emotionally exhausting. You know, most everyone that I serve is a blessing, uh, but it only takes one bad apple, one attack of my character, one nasty email to break my heart. As you guys know, no one can hurt you like the ones you love most. So I wouldn't say that what you do is somehow harder than what I do. Uh, I get pulled into everyone's difficulties which is part of my calling and I wouldn't have it any other way but it doesn't make it easy and and I've worked a number of regular jobs I've been in the military worked for myself and so I'm not ignorant of your experience I actually know both worlds very well the truth is no matter the context every one of us serve the Lord and our service should be marked by diligence and enthusiasm for the glory of God now, we have his word, we have his spirit, and so it's possible to do all of those things. So, may God grant you his grace to serve him in this way in every context. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, that it, it doesn't always agree with us. We don't always like what you have to say to us. You don't like, uh, we don't like, rather, all of your prescriptions and your direction, But Lord, you are wise and you are good. Uh, Lord, you love us. You want the best for us. And you're wise and so you know how to secure those ends for us. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to humble ourselves before your word, that we would see the wisdom in all of it. We would understand that this is how you're glorified. This is how you're served. And Lord, this is how we really are a blessing to other people. And so Lord, grant us your grace. Uh, energize us by your spirit so that as we serve you in whatever capacity, Lord, that it would be with diligence and enthusiasm. So Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.